All right. So tonight we get the flavor of Russ Folkler, who is an elder and uh, uh, an elder on our team and a pastor. Oh. Well, I've been looking forward to tonight. <clears throat> Not so much about hearing myself speak, but about what the Holy Spirit is doing and will be doing. So let's just open our hearts up to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're already doing, what you have been doing through the worship and the prophetic words. And we just, we just want to stay tuned into you. Reveal more about Jesus. Reveal more about Father God. Give us more of that spirit of sonship and daughtership. Wow. Wow. And I, and I bless your human spirits to rise up and joyfully connect with God's Spirit. And I give you all encouragement to focus in on what God's Spirit and your Spirit are doing even more than what I'm saying. Okay? We're we're here for you, Holy Spirit. We're here for you, Jesus. We're here for you, Father. Wow. Okay. So last week, Karina, who's with the children this week, bless her, was talking about making room for growth. And I believe that's part of, of, of letting God do a new thing with us, isn't it? They're like tied together, I think. <clears throat> and how many of you have been struck by God saying, I'm doing a new thing? Yeah, yeah. And then you go, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> well, um, our, our tent cabin when we were up at Twalney Meadows this summer was number 43, which is Isaiah 43 to me. A new thing. Yeah. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old Behold, I do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackal and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. So we just we welcome the new thing you're doing. Where you're where you're doing things in places that seem like there's not going to be any growth, where it's there doesn't seem like there's any water. You're you're bringing water. You're, you want to surprise us. You are surprising us. You're surprising Carla. <laughs> and um, we just we just welcome you all. We welcome you to do a new thing in us, and in our culture, and in our world. Yeah. A lot of times, growth has to do with um, with God correcting us. Have you experienced that? 
I'm sure that, Car- that Karina talked about that last week too. So I experienced that while I was on vacation recently. Uh, the, the motel we stayed at was near an elementary school. And we, in the morning, we saw when we were having breakfast, we saw all these moms and kids walking down, and a lot of them were wearing the hijab and kind of the fully. They were, the women were fully covered, and uh, I, I tried to pray for them and bless them, um, but I was still making assumptions about them. And God wanted to help me with that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> he he brought a, a man with a with a, a desert storm vet, veteran's cap, and so I started talking with him. And it turned out he had not only been in Desert Storm, but in Germany, but he had also been uh, an officer for the Oklahoma Police Department. And so I asked him about art, this area here. What do you, what's this area like? And he said, well, there's a lot of, of Christians uh, that are Chaldeans. Have you ever heard of those folks? They're from the Middle East, from, I think, mostly Iraq and maybe other areas. And they're, they're, they're Christian. They're almost 100% Christian. And he said, but the women often prefer their traditional dress. Wow. So I went, oh, I've been, I've been, I didn't realize I was judging, but I was judging. And I, and I, of course, repented to the Lord. I didn't repent to the guy I was talking with. He, he wouldn't have cared, but <laughs> his name is Bruce. But I was like, wow. So, so, Lord, thank you for working in our hearts. Thank you for revealing to us our prejudices, our assumptions, the things that uh, we put up as protective assumptions against other people when you want us to see them as your daughters and sons. No more, no less. And this, this story we're talk, going to be talking about in Acts 10 also has to do with prejudging. So it all, it all ties together. There is a certain gentleman in Caesarea by the name of Cornelius, a Roman officer in charge of 100 men in what was called the Italian Army Division of 600 men. He was a godly person. He revered God, and so did all his household. He gave generously to the poor and made earnest requests to God constantly. About three in the afternoon, or otherwise known as the ninth hour, he clearly saw a messenger of God in a vision. I was interested in understanding more about about what the, what was is there significance about three o'clock in the afternoon or the ninth hour, and it turns out that it's customary for Jews to pray three times a day. We see that in the book of Daniel, and I want to read to you um, what was going on about the ninth hour in the temple, because I believe because Cornelius was a man after God, even though he was a Roman soldier. He wasn't a converted Jew, but he was seeking after God. I believe he was aware of the offering of incense. Now, that's the high priest. He would actually only offer incense once a year on the Day of Atonement, which we just went through. But that was the best picture I had of offering incense. Usually... um, the, the priest drew lots, and one was given the honor 
of offering incense. In fact, that was what happened with, with John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias. He drew the lot, he got to go in, and that's when the angel met him, was in the sanctuary. <clears throat> but just like, you can close your eyes, I'm going to read a description of what this was like. <clears throat> the final sacrifice has been made, had been made. In other words, that day, all of the, the, the slaughtering and, and offering on the, the burnt offering of altar had been all made for the day, but the day was not yet over. This is the time everyone has been waiting for. You cast your eyes to the holy place, lifting a hand over your eyes to shield them from the glare. Any minute now, the incense would be burned. Then suddenly, at the first sign of smoke from the holy place, the multitude fall on their knees with their faces to the floor. The choir has stopped. The ram's horns grow silent. The smoke rises from the holy place and a scent fills the air. The sacred incense is being burned. Frankincense, myrrh, cinnamon, and cassia, and the smell of other herbs and spices fill your nostrils. You once again become aware of your surroundings. All is still. There is no noise, no talking. It is the ninth hour, and all of Israel is in prayerful communion with the Creator. The words of King David come into your mind as you face the floor and direct your heart towards God. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as an incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Psalm 141, 2. For the next half hour, no one will stir from their prone positions. No one will speak. The priest and the commoner, the rich and the poor, all are equal before God in prayer. We talked a lot, we sang a lot, we worshiped a lot today about the fragrance of our beloved. And that, that the fragrance of our garden, that the winds would blow the fragrance of who we are to our beloved also. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was almost the last thing for the uh, daily divine service. The incense offering and a subsequent prayer time was nearly the final act of the day, but only one more service would be carried out by the high priest to pronounce the blessing. This was something that the Israelites enjoyed in the temple. The pr- several priests would stand with their, with their hands forward. And they would say, The Lord bless you and receive this for yourselves. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you shalom, shalom. Wow. So I believe that Cornelius was, was praying with all of Israel at, at, the, uh, at the ninth hour. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it?
But back to Cornelius. Oops. The messenger came in and said to him, Cornelius. He stared at him, getting quite scared, and said, What is it, sir? The messenger said to him, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have gone up on record in God's presence. That sounds like that incense too, doesn't it? I want to say that again. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have gone up on record in God's presence. So God was hearing this Gentile's prayers. And he was also noticing his heart of worship in taking care of the poor also. That's close to God's heart too. And the angel went on. Send men to Joppa at once. Send for Simon, who was also known as Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Yeah. This is, I want you all to take encouragement personally. I'd like you to all take that your prayers matter that God notices your prayers. And he also notices your acts of worship too. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And recently, Susan has been meditating. Susan was the one who was up earlier with the prophetic transition. Hey, Susan. Yay. Susan has been meditating lately about what it would mean to focus upon doing what is pleasing to our Heavenly Father and King, as opposed to an obligation or um, a commandment. But what if, what if we were motivated by wanting to do what was pleasing to him? like that pleasing aroma of the incense going up in worship. And we don't claim we're there yet, but I think that's, that's where we're being invited to go. I'm speaking about myself and Susan. Maybe you are, which is awesome. But, <laughs> but I think that's where we're, be, where we're being drawn to come, isn't it? It's always been God's desire to bless the nations and to draw them close to him, not, not just the children of Israel. This is one of my favorite scriptures about that. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. And that word is goeh where you probably the same word we get goyim from. I will shake all nations, and they will come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Hmm. I just feel like it would be good for all of us to, sh- to shout glory. One, two, three. Glory! Fill your house with glory here too, Jesus. Besides this scripture, 
even back when Abram, before he became Abraham, was first being drawn out by Father God, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's always been God's intention with Abraham and Abraham's descendants that they would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So why was it so shocking that God would want to reach out to the Gentiles? Because it was, right? It was shocking. What was going on? There was a whole other dynamic. Gentiles, the other nations around the children of Israel, were also trying to pull the Israelites into godlessness, away from godliness. And this is a scripture from Ezra. It may be too small for you to read, but I'll read it for you. And now, O Lord our God, O, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, the land which you are entering to possess is an unclean land with the uncleanness of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their impurity. Now, therefore, do not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. So you've got the call to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And, but wait, there's a whole other thing, which is they're involved in really nasty things. The, other, the people of the land, the other nations. So there's a, there's a tension. Yeah. So back to a story of Cornelius. So Cornelius obeys the angel, sends some, some of his men, some of his trusted household men and servants to go find Peter and bring him back. And as the men Cornelius sent approach Joppa the next day, Peter goes up on the roof midday to pray and becomes hungry. And while they were preparing a meal, he went into a displaced state. The Greek word is ecstasis. We get the word ecstasy from that also. But it means he was out of his normal state. He was in a, diff- a different realm, a different world. And he saw the sky open, and an object like a large sheet tied up at the four corners came down, being lowered to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-legged creatures, animals, reptiles of the earth, and birds of the air, a voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No way, Lord, because I've never eaten anything forbidden or unclean. A voice spoke to him a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call forbidden. This happened three times. Then immediately the object was taken up to the sky. 
And that's a little schematic of a typical house in, in Judea. They all like to have a, a roof that they could climb up on and hang out, catch the cool breeze in the late afternoon, and have some quiet, like Peter was doing. So I want to talk a little bit about what it was like for the Jews and the non-Jews in Palestine during the time of Israel. This is from a man named Alfred Edersheim, who was a Jew who converted. And he wrote some great books. One of them is called um, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. And this is what he writes. And what of Judaism itself at that period when Jesus was alive? It was miserably divided, even though no outward separation had taken place. The Pharisees and the Sadducees held opposite principles and hated each other. The Essenes looked down upon them both. Within the the, uh, school of the Pharisees, there was the schools of Hillel and Shammai, and they contradicted each other on almost every matter. But both united, but both united in their unbounded contempt. So both, in other words, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were united in their unbounded contempt of what they designated as the country people, those who had no traditional learning and hence were either unable or unwilling to share the discussions and bear the burdens of the legal ordinances, which constituted the chief matter of traditionalism. Now, here's, here's the key point here. There was only one feeling common to all, high and low, rich and poor, learned and unlettered, and that was an intense hatred of the foreigner. So they had all these divisions, but they all came together over this, um, over, over not liking the foreigners. And, you know, there's a lot that can be understood about that. They had been conquered by the Romans. And before that, they had been basically conquered by, by the Greeks. So it's understood. Pardon? And Egyptians. Thank you, Brent. We've got a scholar here. But here's a little more about how they related to foreigners. The separation went much beyond what ordinary minds might be prepared for. Milk drawn from a cow by heathen hands, bread and oil prepared by them, might indeed be sold to strangers, but not used by Israelites. No pious Jew would, of course, have sat down at table of a Gentile. If a a heathen were invited to a Jewish home, he might not be left alone in the room, else every article of food or drink on the table was henceforth henceforth regarded as unclean. So in other words, don't leave him by himself, because then we'll have to assume everything here is now unclean. If cooking utensils were bought of them... They had to be purified by fire or by water, knives to be ground anew, spits to be made red hot before use, etc. It was not lawful to let either house or field nor sell cattle to a heathen any article. However, distinctly connected with heathenism was to be destroyed. So do you get the feeling about... um, It was almost like they treated the foreigner like a leper sense of disgust and impurity. So I'm doing this just to kind of give you a sense of what it was like for Peter being called 
but we, we haven't quite gotten there yet. Back to Peter, up on the roof. Well, Peter was quite at a loss, and his head was spinning about the meaning of the vision he had seen. The men who had been sent from Cornelius asked for him at Simon's house and were actually standing at the gate. So God timed this beautifully. So he had, God had shown up. He sent his messenger to, to Cornelius a while ago. So there was, And then as he knew the men were approaching, he gave Peter the experience with an angel. While Peter was thinking over the vision, the spirit said to him, Three men are looking for you. Now get up and go down and go off with them. Do not discriminate, because I myself have sent them. Now, earlier it talked about a voice saying, rise, kill, and eat. Here it's saying, the Spirit said to him. It's the Holy Spirit talking with him. So, so Peter brings some fellow believers along, and they walk together about 30 miles up to Caesarea. So it's going to take a while. Yeah. They, they didn't have cars. And I doubt they even had horses, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm going to take a drink of water for the long journey. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Now back to Cornelius. While waiting for Peter, Cornelius gives his relative, gathers his relatives and close friends. So he's really excited. The angel has come, and he's been told by this angel to go and call for Peter. So he knows something big is up. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius went out to meet him and fell to his knees and worshipped him. Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up. I'm just a human being myself. And then Cornelius recounted his story of meeting with the angel. And Peter said something very important. He said, I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism, but that he accepts whoever respects him and does what is right, no matter what race of people they're from. That's a big deal, as we just talked about the the prejudices of the Jews towards the non-Jews. And Peter went on to say, as he, was, he preached the gospel, he preached the good news of Jesus to this gathering. It was a large group of people. And he said, he went on to say, namely how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and instantly, divinely healing everyone who was overpowered by the slanderer liar because God was with him. That's a really powerful statement. Now, that word for overpowered is something called katadynastuo, which means to exercise dominion against, to exercise harsh control over, to use one's power against. And this, most translations say something like just God, that Jesus went about doing good and healing everyone who was oppressed by the enemy. 
this one has a few more words. This is from the source New Testament, and I, I liked it because it made it more full. But it's a great scripture to memorize, to remind yourself, to remind, to remind yourself what's really going on. Sometimes in churches, we start thinking that God's the one who's bringing sickness and disease and disaster to people. How many of you have been in churches that have basically told you that? Yeah. And it really messes with you, doesn't it? Then you start wondering, well, maybe it's just God's will that all this bad stuff happens. And, um, and we start wondering whether God's really good, don't we, if we start doing that. This particular passage, Acts 10.38, was a very important scripture for a healing evangelists, including John G. Lake and, and Alexander Dowie. They stood on this scripture. They said, sickness is not from God. Sickness is from the devil. We, we need the Holy Spirit's power we need the Holy Spirit's power to um, destroy the works of the enemy and, and heal people, just like Jesus did. Oh. Feel that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Peter went on to say, he commanded us to pass around the command, the announcement or watchword, to the people and call solemnly to witness that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. He is the one all prophets, prophets testified about. They said that by his name, whoever believes in him will have their sins canceled. Yay! Yay! This is really good news. And while Peter was still saying this, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who was listening. Oh, oh, you're right. I skipped one. Thank you. There we go. Thank you, Brent. While Peter was say, still saying this, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who was listening. The believers from among the circumcision, that means the Jews, who had come with Peter, were shocked because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the non-Jews as well as they heard them speak in supernaturally given languages and greatly praise God. Holy Spirit, we need you. We desire you. You come to bear witness to Jesus. You fell when Peter was talking about Jesus, who, you, who Jesus is, how wonderful Jesus is, how important Jesus is, how good and loving Jesus is. Holy Spirit, come even tonight and reveal more of who Jesus is to us. Come in power. Come in anointing. Come with a spirit of wisdom and revelation.
Then Peter said, Who could stop these people from being baptized in water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one. Then they asked him to stay a few days more. wanted to read a bit about more about John G. Lake and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And may it be an encouragement to you. So John G. Lake grew up in a family where almost everybody was getting sick. Eight of his brothers and sisters had died of various illnesses. His brother was dying, his sister was dying. And his wife was sick. And he cried out to God. And one of the things he did is he, uh, he called up uh, Alexander Dowie and asked him to pray. And his sister got better. His brother got better. They were both healed. And John G. Lake then decided that he was going to call his family and friends, and they were all going to pray at the same hour for, for his wife Jenny to be healed. She had tuberculosis and something else. Something a hard problem as well, and at that at that hour when they all prayed and, God, and he felt the power of God flow through him, she was completely healed. Her her voice suddenly became strong. So and then from then on, they just kept on kept on praying for people and seeing people healed. So in the period of about ten years, he was ministering part time and work and working during the day, and during that time, hundreds of people were saved and healed. But at the end of that 10 years, Lake wrote, I believe I was the hungriest man for God that ever lived. My friends would say, Mr. Lake, you have a beautiful baptism in the Holy Ghost. Yes, it was nice as far as it went, but it was not answering the cry of my heart. How could that have been? How could such a glorious display of God's power through Lake's life not have satisfied the cry of his life, cry of his heart? Simple. Many of Lake's friends and associates assumed that he had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when in fact, he had not. Actually, he had never fully understood it, though many had tried to talk with him about it. Meanwhile, people who saw him minister with such success, such success, were indeed judging him by his works, and certainly he had been wonderfully anointed by the Spirit to minister. If there was more for Lake to learn, more for him to receive, and deep in his heart, he knew it. For the first nine months of 1907, Lake fasted and prayed and cried out to God. He just had to have all of God that he could get. After several months of beseeching Spirit endowment, without apparent success, he was asking for the endowment of the Spirit. Without success, Lake became discouraged with himself. Anybody here relate to that? Even John G. Lake had this issue. And he said, Lord, it may be for others, but it is not for me. You just cannot give it to me. So he got discouraged. But isn't it wonderful that even when we give up, God doesn't? That's good news. That's part of the great news. 
Finally, in the tenth month, he got what he was after, and a big dose of it, too. On one October day, hey, it's October. <laughs> Lake accompanied his preaching partner and, ten, and friend, Tom Hasmelhatch, to the home of an invalid woman. They were going to pray for her healing. As Tom instructed the woman about healing before they prayed, Lake sat comfortably in a deep leather chair across the room. His mind soon drifted, and again he was thinking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly a great calm invaded the restlessness of Lake's soul. And for the first time in his life that he could remember, his mind became still. Lake felt he heard a voice documenting incidents when he had disobeyed God and calling him to the ultimate commitment of absolutely putting my body, soul, and spirit on the altar forever. Lake stated his soul called out to God and was soothed with an ultimate transcendent calm. I want to say something about that, um, putting my body, soul, and spirit on the altar forever. How many have experienced the truth that you can't, it's not, it doesn't work just to say something like that. We, we sing it a lot during worship and we mean it as much as we can, right? But there's more to it than that. This is not something that we can just choose to declare and agree with. This is something both God brings to us and we also are engaged with him about. So I just want you to... I just I don't want you to go enter into striving or just thinking if you say the magic words. But it does have to do with his heart, and it has to do with our hearts. But even with that, it's God drawing us. It's him who loves us first. It's him who woos us, as we, as we sang so wonderfully in worship today about, about how Song of Songs helps us understand his relationship with us. Yeah. As Susan observed, it's about coming to the place where we want to please the Trinity. Not because we have to or we're supposed to or that's how we do impressive things, because we want to. So you want to hear what that felt like for John G. Lake? Yeah. Something like a warm tropical rain shower began bathing his soul. Oh, it was so peaceful. Then out of the calm of that moment, Lake heard the Lord say, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. You are now baptized in the Holy Spirit. Finally, it was his, something more precious, more beautiful, more personal. The baptism of his spirit into God's spirit. Now his own heart was full. It was complete. It was satisfied. That's when the power came, a power like never before. Lake was still sitting in the chair when a downpour of electrical light currents surged through his body, causing him to convulse nearly out of control. Moments later, he began speaking in tongues. Here's a really important thing. Lake maintained... 
that he then received a new revelation of the nature of Christ and a tenderness towards those needing God's love and healing. I'm going to read that again. Blake maintained that he then received a new revelation of the nature of Christ and a tenderness for those needing God's love and healing. He laid hands on the invalid woman he was visiting, and she arose from the sickbed, perfectly healed. When the phenomena had passed, Lake wrote, the glow of it remained in my soul. I found that my life began to manifest in the varied range of the gifts of the Spirit. Healings were of a more powerful order. We want, we want that. We want that, Lord Jesus. At least most of us do. And we all welcome, all of us who want that, we know that we're also welcoming you to look in our hearts. We know that your power without love and a deep emotional and spiritual connection with you would be dangerous. And we also know you desire sons and daughters who are manifesting who you are on the earth, who represents you, your love, your goodness, your tenderness, and also your power to set people free who have been oppressed by the enemy. Wow. 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 Um, I'm going to have a, a song gently playing in the background and just want to encourage you to just spend some time we won't spend a half an hour like they did on the <laughs> afternoons every day with, but we'll take some time and Sonia if you put that on all that we can do is open our hearts up no striving just desiring and experiencing love and welcoming more Father, you 
with holy love, with grace and peace. Your mercy surprises me. It heals my heart. It helps me see. Jesus, as Carla shared earlier, we we get to receive your love. We get to be brought into a, a culture of life, out of a culture of death, out of a culture of things going um, are, that are so disconnected and scary, into your realm of light and love and peace and joy. More and more, and. And you're inviting us to go and share this with others, to wherever we go. We, 
we do yearn for more. That's one of the favorite calls during the renewal was more, Lord. And, and you never rebuked us for asking for more. <laughs> it's always our, your, your good pleasure is our good daddy to give your children the good things and, and especially to give the Holy Spirit when we ask for the Holy Spirit. So we ask for more and we'll continue to ask for more. Not out of poverty, but out of desire. Wow. And I also ask that we not hold back because we don't think we have enough. When you call us into challenging situations to trust that you are with us. that the lion of the tribe of Judah walks beside us. Wow. Even now, even today, even tonight, even tomorrow. And Jesus, I, I want to read what your father said to the prophet Isaiah about you. Indeed, he says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus, you are the Father's salvation to the ends of the earth, and we are part of your body. Amen. I I know people have been at different places of experiencing the Holy Spirit, Maybe some of you haven't felt the uh, the electrification experience. How many of you? How many of you have felt that? Like John G. Lake talked about. Yeah. Okay. I'd say about seven or eight, maybe nine. And it's really like electricity. <laughs> so if that starts happening, I just part of why I was sharing this today was so that you don't freak out. You can say, "Oh, well, this is crazy." Powerful, but it's not as unusual as I would have thought. Does that make sense? And that's not the only that's not the only manifestation. Of course, I've known people who have felt no electricity, but the power of God flows through them and heals people and transforms people. So it's not proof of your your standing, but it is something that sometimes God does with us. Did. Did anyone have um, an experience with God that you think is to share with others? While we were, hi, sir. What's your name? Andy. Anthony, come on up. It's a little past eight thirty. If if your children are you picked up. 
Hi, everybody. My name is Anthony. Hi, um, Anthony. Uh, like a few years ago, I was shot in my leg. I didn't get no, like how you say, uh, like a thunderous feeling or nothing like that, like a lightning or nothing like that. I felt like he was embracing me oh. like with a shield and put oh. like a shield around me and only oh. let me get shot one time. Yeah. And they shot at me like three, it was like 30 bullets or something like that, but only one struck me, so... Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing that. We, we celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you, Anthony. Yes. Come on up. Hi, everyone. Okay. So I've been a Christian since I was yay high. So coming to this church, I'm like, the Holy Spirit? Okay. I know the Holy Spirit was there, but I didn't really understand what that really meant. So then um, for all of, you know, I was very inexperienced. So all of a sudden, I started recognizing the Holy Spirit like, um, I mean, you guys are, I'm sure you're so experienced with this. So this is a beginner. I'm a beginner. It, it, it's, it's like a pressure. It's like a pressure. It's like a, it's like a gentle pressure um, on your heart. And sometimes in your stomach, it feels like it, like it churning. And I never, I, you know, I didn't know what that was. And then I started recognizing that that's what it is. It's, it's, that was the Holy Spirit. But then it got better. So one time Matt was praying for me. And this was the first time I've ever experienced it. It was, and I had it, I taped it. Oh, thank goodness I taped it because I listened to it over and over and over again. And it was like, and Matt was feeling it too. I mean, it was like, okay, there was one thing to feel, you know, the gentle pressure of the Holy Spirit. This was zapped. I was, we were being zapped. It was a zzzz, And it wasn't, it wasn't like, it didn't hurt. It was like a power. It was like, um, and I, who knows what it was for, you know, but I mean, I'm sure it was God, the Holy Spirit was like healing things deep inside of me that I didn't know what I needed it for. But to, and I don't even know if you would call that baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it was, I had never in my whole, like I got it saved when I was five and here I am, who knows how old I am now. And um, I lose track. Um, but to be drenched in the Holy Spirit to that point where you like, zzz, zzz, I mean, we were like going, ooh, here it comes again. And, and we're like, okay, we don't want this to stop. And I just pray that every one of you will experience that. That was freaking amazing, okay? I'm just saying... There are times when the day goes long and you're like, is this, you know, is God really working in my life? You know, where, I don't see it. I have to go to work. I have to, my gosh, I have to get up in the morning. I have to do this. I have to do that. But you go back to those times where God zaps you and you got to be reminded that, you know, even though you're not feeling him that moment. He is so with us. He is with us day and night, night and day. And those dapping times, more, more of it, it's great. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Come on up, Christine. Christina. Hi, 
Well, I wasn't going to say anything. She, like, asked me to share, like, what was happening when I was worshiping. Because I'm like, well, I don't want to make people feel, like, bad if they didn't smell it, you know. But I I was smelling incense, and then it went along with what you said. And the thing is that, I mean, he just values the worship in this place so much because I only smell it here. Or, like, the first time I smelled the it wasn't necessarily cinnamon smelling. I mean, actually, the first time I smelled it was more vanilla. It I know it was a long time ago. It must have been at least 15, 16 years ago. Um, I was driving back from here all the way to Sunnyvale um, in my little car that I don't have anymore, and it just filled the... I think we were doing extended worship before I left, too, so it's just... It, I've never, it's one of those times when you just feel so close to him because he's like so close you can smell him, you know? It's, and so first it smelled kind of incensey and then it smelled kind of rosy. It was just so sweet. So just keep praising him because you just, just keep asking and he just loves to get closer to us. He's, you know, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, he says. Thank you for sharing that. I smelled some roses at one point. Yeah, rose smell. Yeah. Mm, wow. I don't want to. I don't want to close. It just feels so good here. But um, I also want to make feel. If if you need to leave, you can. And sounds looks like maybe Matt has something to share too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I didn't really want to come up and share, and the Lord told me to share about one of the times. Uh, electricity let me just describe John G. Lake well um, you know I don't I don't know why uh, and I won't even try to figure out why not everyone experiences that but I think I have kind of an idea of one of the reasons maybe is when I was experiencing that there were times when I thought I would die like I literally was afraid for my life because there was so much power shooting through me. But at the same time, it's really hard to describe. I didn't want it to stop. So it's like, well, which one do I want? Like, <laughs> but at the, but it, it, again, there's no words that I could con- convey that experience with that would do it justice. But it really is a terrifying thing when you have the raw power of God shooting through you. Um, and it does feel like electricity, which is why, you know, we describe it that way. Um, but, you know, I'm violently convulsing on the floor. Uh, uh, basically, I, I didn't understand the term holy roller until I had that <laughs> encounter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I was violently convulsing and rolling from one side of the room. I hit the wall and then rolled to the other side of the room and hit the wall. And I probably did that for about an hour. And it was, yeah. And um, I know God did a lot of stuff inside of me, but again, you know, like she said, I I honestly don't have a clue about probably 99% of what he did in me, and that's okay. So, yeah. Thank you.
Okay, we'll, we'll make this one the last uh, one for the whole group, and then people, please continue sharing and praying for each other. I just wanted to share about the result after, okay, of one of my experiences of being just really overwhelmed by the presence of God, where I kind of felt like, oh, my God, I'm going to die, you know, but it was so much of his love. I felt like my every cell was going to just burst, right? What resulted from that was a, 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 um, a really the first time, one of the first times that I felt comfortable in my own skin, wow. where I felt belonging, and that's been a key thing for me most of my life. Yeah, and um, and so I was so comfortable. I could be completely by myself. I could be with any person. It didn't matter. And that was the result of that experience. And then God has been growing that since that point. But I just kind of wanted to share a result of an encounter with the love of God. Wonderful. Thank you. Yay. Did you want to So the people who gave testimonies, would you come up and we're going to, and those who would like to get prayer from the folks that gave testimonies can can come up and receive prayer. Uh, come on, and Christine, you, Anthony, thank you for coming up. Would you be willing to come up too? And if there's a few other people that feel that feel like they want to come up and pray, also feel free. And all right. All right, Brent, move that out of the way. Thank you, Brent. There you go. All right, so my encouragement is to know there's more and not to condemn yourself if you're not experiencing it right now, but open your heart, let let God in also in the areas where he wants to bring transformation, he wants to bring growth, he wants to bring uh, shifts so that you're, you're um, like me with, with my tendency to discriminate. He, was, he called me on that, but that's because he loves me and he wants, he wants that not to be in the way of his love flowing through me. Does that make sense? Just encourage you to, uh, to know there's more and to continue to pursue it with joy and hope and curiosity and adventure. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. <laughs>